This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Christian Family Church on this wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Isn't God good? He's faithful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, won't you stand with me this morning? We're going to get straight into the Word. And as you're doing that, I want to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the great privilege and honor to be able to minister to you on this amazing Sunday that we celebrate our risen Lord. Amen. So let's pray together. You online as well in other venues, please join us. Let's bow our heads and come before our Lord and our Savior. Heavenly Father, we just love and worship you. We are so grateful that today we get once again just to think on how good you've been to us. You are our resurrected King. And we thank you for the price that you paid. That we can come together freely in your house, sit under your word, and be blessed by what you have to say to us. And so mighty God, I do not trust in my own ability, but totally depend upon you to come and have your way. I pray for every hearer that their ears open to hear, their hearts are ready to receive, and their lives will change as the result of your word. And in advance, we give you alone all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, quickly greet your neighbor, smile at them through the mask, and say, it's good to see you today. And then you may be seated. As you're doing that, I want to encourage you always to bring your Bibles to church Let's use our Bibles, writing them, following the Scriptures. It will help you to grow better. And if you want to, you can also use our church app. We have the Scriptures there and some pointers from the message this morning. And you can find that, obviously, on that app as well. Well, family, what a great Sunday. Amen? We've had an amazing weekend so far. Didn't you enjoy Apostle Theo's teachings on Friday? What a great lesson for all of us, a wonderful lesson of that whole journey. And today we get to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. He's a risen God. Amen. Aren't you grateful for that? He went to the grave for you and I. He then was raised from the dead. And because of that, we live a resurrected life. I mean, he paid the price for us. Think about that for a moment. If it wasn't for what Jesus did, we wouldn't be here. Christianity just wouldn't exist. It's because of the death burial and resurrection that separates and sets apart Christianity from every other religion in the world because our Savior is alive, the grave is empty, and we are free, amen? So we get to celebrate that, and we should really, through this time, take time to ponder on what that means to all of us. I remember a man of God made this statement once, and he said this, if it wasn't for Christmas, we would not have Easter. But if it wasn't for Easter, Christmas would mean nothing. Because ultimately, family, it's this reason, the resurrected Jesus, that sets us apart. I'm grateful that, that Jesus was born, but I'm so much more grateful that He went to the cross and paid the price. You see, He took on our punishment, what we deserved, He took on for us by accepting that we have gone free, He's paid the price, and we can raise our hands and say, thank you, Jesus you're alive. Amen. Now, you may know this, and I'm sure if you've been with us for the last five weeks at least, you will have known that over the last five weeks, we've been doing a series called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is found in Matthew chapter 5, and it comes from the Sermon on the Mount, 
where Jesus did this famous sermon, and he started it off with these Beatitudes. And what's so amazing for us is that when we planned this as a church and as a team, we decided we were going to teach on these Beatitudes. We didn't plan exactly, okay, this one will fall on that Sunday and the next one will fall on that Sunday. We didn't plan for the one that I'm doing today to actually fall on Resurrection Sunday, but God is good. And the way he planned it is amazing because the beatitude we're going to look at really ties up so well with Resurrection Sunday. In fact, if it wasn't for what Jesus did, this beatitude would just never work. (laughs) That's just the fact. So go to your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at this and see what that means for us as a believer and how our resurrected Savior has made it all possible. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 And this is the sixth beatitude that we're going to be looking at. We've looked at, obviously, the previous five. And haven't they been a great blessing? Learned so much from them, how we can apply them to our lives and what that means for us. But here in verse 8 of chapter 5, Jesus said these words. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, family, we would not get to see God if Jesus never came. That's just the truth. If he came but didn't go to the cross, if he got that far and said, I can't do this, it's too much for me, we would not see God. We'd be lost in our sin. We'd be hopeless. But because he went all the way, we can see God. But what does it mean to be pure in heart? You see, you could reverse that scripture and say it this way. If I want to see God, I need to be pure in heart. If I want to see God, I need to be pure in heart. I'm grateful for the price that Jesus paid, but I have a responsibility. He's paid the price, but I have to do something about what he has done in order for me to see the Lord. And so Philippians 2.15 says this, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. We definitely are living in a crooked and twisted generation. Wouldn't you agree with me? The world seems to be on its head right now. But Jesus is saying here, in the Word of God, it says we need to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, amidst this crooked generation, among whom you shine as lights in this world. We get the privilege because we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to shine as lights in this world so that they can see there is a God. You see, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. How do they see His goodness? Well, hopefully through us as well. Hopefully we are shining as lights. Hopefully we are these people that are blameless and innocent children without blemish. Well, family, we cannot be those blameless children without blemish in our own strength. We cannot get there in our own strength. If we could, we would have, right? If we could have been there, we wouldn't need Jesus, and we would have just changed all by ourselves, and we would have made it, and everything would have been great. But we can't. We need the Lord. We need what He did for us to be working in our life so we can be those shining lights. And that's why Jesus said in John 15, He said these words. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Let me repeat that. I am the vine, you are the branches. What do branches do? They just hang on the vine, right? 
They just hang out there. We need to hang out more with Jesus. <laughs> That's what we need to do. We need to spend more time with Jesus. He is the tree trunk. He is the vine. The branch draws its strength and nourishment from that vine. The, the branch doesn't feed the vine. The vine feeds the branches. Isn't that right? And so we need to be connected. Jesus is saying that I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So if you're wondering why am I not producing much fruit, well, maybe we need to be spending more time with Jesus, being better connected to the vine. He said, you will. Anyone, if you, if you are connected to me, you will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing that's significant if we don't have Jesus in our life. So we want to be successful. We want to produce fruit. Jesus said, just be connected with me. Stay in a relationship with me and you will produce fruit. Verse 6 says, anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. So unless we are living a life with this resurrected king, our life will just wither and be useless. We won't produce anything. So we need to be connected so that we can shine in this generation and show the world that Jesus is alive in me. So then, how do I sustain a pure heart? How can I have that pure heart so that I know I will see God? Well, we're going to look at three things this morning. And it's because Jesus went to the cross, and because He was raised from the dead, that these three things can be applied to our lives. If it wasn't for that, we couldn't live out these three things. So let's have a look at the first one. Are you ready? Make your notes. The first one is quick to believe. We need to be quick to believe. How many times have you spoken to people and they always want to debate the Word of God? Oh, it can't be like that. How can it be? How can a, a dead man be raised? How can a blind eye be open? Could Jesus really heal me? Can He really save me? We, we always want to debate the Word of God instead of being quick to believe in the Word of God. And in uh, Ephesians 2 from verse 1, it says this. It says, once you were dead, doomed forever because of your sins. You used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of our evil nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger just like everyone else. Verse 4 says, but God, <laughs> amen, but God is so rich in mercy. Aren't you grateful He's merciful? He was merciful, family. That's why He sent Jesus, because He's a merciful God. God, who is rich in mercy, it says, but God who is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so very much. I'm grateful that He loved us. Aren't you grateful that He loved you? That even while we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life, listen to this, when He raised Christ from the dead. That's when He gave us life. He gave us life when Jesus was raised from the dead. It's only by God's special favor that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with Him in heavenly realms, all because we are one with Christ. Verse 8 is important. 
So God saved you by His special favor when you believed. Say with me, I was saved when I believed. You weren't saved when God raised Jesus from the dead. You were saved when you believed that God raised Him from the dead. You see, we've got to be quick to believe because Jesus has paid the price for all humanity, but not all are saved. Even though He's paid the price, even though it's been done. You are saved and I'm saved because we believed. So let me read that again. God saved you by His special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You see, family, He's done it for you. He's done it for every one of you, for your family, for your friends, for your loved ones. It's done. All they need to do is believe. Be quick to believe, not quick to challenge the Scripture, not quick to doubt, not quick to think, well, can a, a dead man be raised to life? Not quick to, to, to challenge, can one man take on the sins of the whole world? That won't get you saved. It's in believing that he did it that gets us saved, family. And we need to understand that. We also need to be quick to believe all what the Scriptures say, and not just the ones we like. We're very quick to believe the ones that work for us. God will provide all my needs. Amen, I like that one. I'm quick to believe that one. Amen. But when it says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Now you can say amen because you are here. <laughs> but the Bible says we need to be quick to believe all what the prophets said. All what the prophets said. We need to be quick to believe. You know, family, as I was um, preparing for this weekend, specifically this morning, I like, I like to read scriptures about uh, the death, burial, and resurrection over this weekend, just so that I can, you know, really be grateful for what Jesus did. And I was reading this morning about the resurrection in my, in my, in my quiet time, and um, I was reading the account where obviously Mary and Mary Magdalene go to the tomb, and they get there, and you heard this morning that uh, uh, what, what uh, Dean Elaine said, that they got there, and the tomb was empty. And so what was amazing for me when I was reading, they go back to the disciples, and they go and tell the disciples, hey, the tomb is empty. He's risen. And my Bible this morning said that the disciples did not believe. You know what I found interesting about that? Is that they walked three years with Jesus. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him open blind eyes. They saw him turn water into wine. They saw him find the money in the, in the mouth of a fish. They saw all these miracles. But yet, when he said to them, I will be raised from the dead, even when it happened, they still did not believe. I mean, you're walking with Jesus, and you see these things, and still you say to them, no, I don't believe that. I want to see it. <laughs> we need to be quick to believe. Amen? And, and if we are quick to believe, we'll enjoy what the Bible promises us. Can you imagine having a nickname, Doubting? I would never want to call Doubting. You know our friend, old Doubting Thomas? I mean, it's an interesting story there. We read it here in John 20, 25. Him saying this, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and the place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe. Wow. Well, family, Jesus has proven to you and to me that he can be believed. He has proven to us in many times in our life. 
He's brought you through difficulty. He's helped you through challenging times. He's a God that can be believed. You can believe Him in everything that He says. In Hebrews 3, 3 verse 12, it warns us. It says this out of the Amplified. Therefore, beware. If somebody comes and says to you, hey, brother, hey, sister, beware of this. They're warning you that something's important. Beware of it, right? And so it says, therefore, beware, brethren. Take care, lest there be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart is recognized as a wicked heart. Isn't that interesting? When it comes to the things of God, if you don't believe, God says that's a wicked heart. It says, a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to cleave to, trust in, and rely on God, leading you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God. We don't want to be there, amen? We want to have a believing heart. Family, we need to choose to believe the Scriptures. We need to believe it. His word is yes and amen. God cannot lie. The Bible says it's impossible for Him to lie. Not difficult. It's impossible for Him to lie. So if He says it, He will do it. He said, my word will not return void. It shall accomplish the very thing that I intended it to accomplish. Let's believe that. Wouldn't it be great if believers believed? <laughs> We're called believers for a reason, amen? We're not called seers, called believers. We believe what Jesus said. Dr. Mark Murdoch, some of you may remember him. Many years ago, he was here at the church, and he made this statement that I've never forgotten. He said this, God's greatest pain is to be disbelieved. His greatest joy is to be believed. I mean, you wouldn't like it if, if you promised to do something for somebody and you got a good reputation of doing it and they come to you and say, no, I don't believe you. You wouldn't like that, right? Well, God can be trusted. He can be believed. So the first thing we want to do to make sure we have a pure heart so that we'll see God is we need to be quick to believe. The second thing we need to do to make sure that our hearts are pure, is we need to be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. Not wait until we feel ready, but quick to forgive. I found this statement in my preparation, and it said this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. You see, family, you must know this. If you're holding a grudge against somebody, you're holding unforgiveness, that person is unaware. They're just living their life, not bothered. But you are holding on to it. You are depressed. You are down. You're probably avoiding them. You don't want to go where they go. You're living in a prison. They're free. Be quick to forgive. How important is this to the Lord? This is super important to the Lord. If I said to you, Mark 11, 23 and 24, everybody can quote that one. Yes, I can speak to the mountain and the mountain will obey me. And whenever I pray, if I believe, I'll receive. We love that, right? Mark 11, 23 and 24. We know it. We quote it well. We quote it in our sleep. That's our verse. I can speak to any problem. And because I have faith, it will move. The mountain will move. My problem will go. And if I have faith and I pray, I will receive whatever I ask for. We love that. But if you drop down to one more verse, verse 25, so we've just read Mark 23 and 24. If I drop down to verse 25, look how important forgiveness is to the Lord. This is the same portion of Scripture, speaking to the mountain, praying and getting what I ask for. Verse 25 says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. If you have anything 
against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it, let it go. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them go. Hold on to your seats, verse 26. But if you do not forgive, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your failings and shortcomings. You see, family, many times when we have unforgiveness and the person really treated us badly, and I understand many of you have truly been disappointed, let down. Somebody's even treated you badly. You may have been through something that really was horrific and somebody did to you. And you feel a right. You feel, I have a right to hold on to this. They treated me bad. I'm going, to, I'm going to hold this against them the rest of their life. That is the biggest trap that the devil uses. To get believers to think they have a right to hold unforgiveness. And this is the challenge. When you do that, when you hold unforgiveness, this is what you are really saying. You are saying this. That what they did to me was worse than what they did to Jesus. And the price he paid was not enough. That's what you're saying. You're saying that. That I'm going to hold this unforgiveness toward them because it's worse what's happened to me. I understand. I'm not watering down what you've been through. But I'm saying, are you willing to miss eternity in heaven because you're going to hold something against somebody here on earth? It's not worth it. We need to be quick to forgive. We need to quick to forgive. We need to guard our heart. Proverbs twenty uh, three, uh, Proverbs four twenty three says this: above all else. That means there's nothing more above this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Everything you do. I'm not talking about the blood pump. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the real you, your spirit man. Guard your heart because it affects everything you do. If you have a positive outlook to life, that's how you'll see life. If you're holding grudges and unforgiveness, that's, you're, you're going to be trapped by your own uh, unforgiveness. We cannot afford to do that. Listen to what Ephesians 4:31 and 32 says. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Family, Jesus forgave us. He forgave us. Luke 23, uh, 34 says this. It says, you know this account, we've, we've been celebrating this weekend. Jesus is on the cross. He's been beaten. He's been spat on. I mean, if you're here on Friday, you've got a very graphical explanation of what happened. All those things, he's been lied to. He's been abandoned. He's hanging on the cross. And he looks to his father, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Family, before you and I were even born, he forgave you. When you and I, before you were saved, and maybe you were born as a Christian, I don't know, but I wasn't. <laughs> okay. And I blasphemed. I swore. I made jokes about Jesus. But he forgave me.
I'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> He's a good God. And family, we need to be quick to forgive. He forgave us, you know, and um, we really didn't deserve it. <laughs> and so he gave us. So let's be quick to forgive. <clears throat> May have a sip of water. You guys online, boil the kettle. This could take a while. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So, Jesus went to the cross. He forgave us. We can forgive others. I want to see my Savior. I want to make it to heaven. So, I'm going to make sure I'm quick to believe and I'm quick to forgive. And the third one is this, family. A very important one. Equally important as quick to forgive, and that is quick to repent. Quick to repent. You see, there's a big difference between saying sorry and repentance. They are completely different. Saying sorry and repentance are completely different. You see, sorry is what I say when I've done something wrong. Repentance is what I do when I've done something wrong. That's the difference. Now, if you were coming to church this morning, and you were coming down Atlas Road, and let's just say you were late. None of us here, but you were late. And you're doing 120 down Atlas Road to get to church. And your friend jumps out, traffic officer says, pull over. And he pulls you over, and you get to the window, you wind it down, and what do you do? Say, officer, I'm so sorry, I'm on my way to church. <laughs> Just to kind of hint, hint, I'm actually a good person. Can you let me off? I'm on my way to church. I'm really sorry for speeding. And he looks at you and he says, tell me, are you sorry because you got caught? Or are you sorry and you won't do it again? You see, let's just say I steal 5,000 rand from Pastor Andre. I steal it. Thank you. God bless me for where is that 5,000 rand? <laughs> let's just say... I steal 5,000 rand from Pastor Andre. And then he figures it out that it was me. And he comes to me and he says, you stole my money. And I say to him, Pastor Andre, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. And he says, I accept your apology. And then I walk away and I keep the 5,000. You see, repentance is turning around and saying, I'm sorry, Pastor Andre. Here's your money back. See, repentance simply means I'm going this way, and I turn and go this way. Whenever we read in the Bible that word repent, or we see it, we think, whoa, that's a, whew, that's a heavy word. But simply it means there's a better way. Just turn around, there's a better way. I mean, if I was slandering you, going around telling people that you're a bad person and lying about you, if I was doing that, and then I come to you and I say, you know what, brother so-and-so, I've been speaking badly about you and I want to apologize that I've said that about you. That's wonderful. Repentance means I go to the people I have spoken to and tell them I was wrong and what I said. That's repentance. So we can say sorry, but repentance is more than that. It's making right. It's turning around. It's saying I'm not going to speed again, traffic officer. Not I'm sorry for being caught. That's what repentance is. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who conceals his sin will not succeed. He who confesses, confesses and abandons them, abandons, turns away from, will gain mercy. 
Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God. Turn to God. Repent and turn. Go in the other direction. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Family, I want to walk a life full of being refreshed. I can't hold on to the things that I'm holding on to and say sorry to the person I've hurt. I've got to let them go. I've got to do something about it. I've got to turn from it. I can't go on doing the wrong thing but keep on saying sorry. Repentance is turning. We've got to be a people that will turn away from what we're doing. You see, when, when, when the Bible refers to, to death in God's eyes, death in God's eyes is not when your heart stops pumping. That's not death to God. Death to God is if you don't make it to heaven. If you're separated from Him because of the wrong choices we make, you see, the pure in heart will see God. Because if you die, if your heart stops pumping, you just change addresses. If you're a child of God or the pure, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to be there. That's not death to the Lord. Death to the Lord is I don't know. I've lost my communication with Him. I'm living a life of sin. God and I have no more connection. That's what death is to the Lord. Not you breathing your last. So family, we want to see the Lord. Amen. We want to remain pure in heart. So what do we take home from this message? Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, you and I can live out the sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We do that by being quick to believe, quick to forgive, and quick to repent. And Jesus made it possible for us. He's a risen Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you, family. God is faithful. And we've come now to probably the most important part of the service. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes at this time. As you are sitting here this morning, or perhaps you are online or in another venue, you've heard this message. You've heard about this loving Savior who went to the cross for you and I. And what we're entitled to as believers because we believe in Him. But you're saying to me this morning, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I've never invited Him into my heart. Today is that day. I want to make that decision. I want to know for sure that my sins have been dealt with. I want to know for sure that I'm in right standing with God. That one day when I do breathe my last, I will make it to heaven. Well, friend, if that's you, wherever you are, online, in person today, I want to pray with you. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not inviting you to come up to me. I'm not going down to where you are. But in a moment, when I count to three, all I'm going to ask you is just to raise your hand above your head so that I can see you want to make Jesus Lord of your life on this Resurrection Sunday. And I'll pray with you. You just stay in your seat and we'll pray a prayer together. So at the count of three, I want to come to Jesus for the first time, come back to Him to make my life right with Him or know for sure that heaven is my home. Why don't you raise your hand now? One, two, three. Just raise it above your head. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Resurrection Sunday. What a day to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's wonderful. Many hands going up. Many hands going up. Thank you, Father. Is there anybody else before I pray? You online, wherever you are, you can just raise your hand in your home or wherever you are. In the other venues, you can do the same thing. That just identifies to us that, hey, I'm making this decision. Jesus is my Lord. That's wonderful. Praise God. Praise God. 
Well, friend, let's pray this prayer together, especially those that have raised their hands. Let's all pray together. Let's join in with them and pray along with them this morning. Let's say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning just as I am. I ask you, Father, please forgive me for every sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord and He was raised from the dead. I choose today to forgive every person who has offended me, hurt me, disappointed me, let me down. And because I have made you Lord of my life, I now know heaven is my home and you are my loving Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Welcome to the family of God. We are so proud of you. What a great decision you have made today. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.